Hey, little people. Hello, hello, hello. This is Mo Sibyl, and um, you're listening to the Mo Sibyl Podcast. This is a podcast for Black nations and those who love them. And I'm your host, Mo Sibyl. And today I'm very excited to have the next guest on the show. She is a very dear friend of mine. And ah, ah, Mo is here. Goodness. I have a. Hi. Finally. Hey girl, put on your video. I need to see you. Hello everyone. I am Mo and this is the More Civil Podcast. Alright everyone, welcome to the show. This is the More Civil Podcast, a podcast about Culture and Cultural Nomads, for, um, designed for Blacks and Asians and those who love them. And I'm your host, Mosibo Nigerian-born, New educated, Korean-speaking, struggling intellectual. Oh, Mari, thanks. I see that. Um, I'm so glad to be doing this today. This is like, I woke up right early this morning. It was like a kid you know, on Christmas morning. And um, I just want to say that I consider it really a privilege to be able to share the stories I have on this platform. And without my guests, you know, coming on and um, giving me their inputs, I probably won't, you know, have a platform. So I want to thank every one of you, all of my guests, and also special thanks to my listeners as well. To all of you who have been quite, you know, supportive and along this journey. I just want to say that without you, don't be um, the show. So um, today, well, um, of all the privileges, I've already talked about being privileged. And I know you guys spoil me a lot. <laughs> and I would like to even talk about yet another privilege I have, and that is to bring my, my dear friend, Maureen Sala Ogunlade, um, to the show, just to you know talk about her story. It's a story that I have had that privilege to know for many years. And I told Maureen, maybe it's last year or sometime last year, whenever you're ready, whenever you're ready, whenever you think you've gotten to that point, where you're okay to talk about yourself and you want to come on the show to therapize, know that you have an open mutation. And she did use that wild card some days ago and she just reached out to me like, I want to come on the show. Like, play, like, play. I sent her the link. Usually when they send me the link, you know, they linger, they don't feel, they, feel, they don't feel it in time and I have to remind them. But she feel the right way. That's right. That's like, this girl means business. So, so I just matched her passion with my passion and the rest of the state is history. So, she held from Lagos, Nigeria. She's, you know, she moved here when she was in her teens. I'll let her introduce herself well. But she has a degree in healthcare administration and business um, administration. And she's a healthcare um, support worker and she has been in the healthcare field for 14 years. So everyone join me in welcoming um, Maureen to the show. Hello, everybody. <laughs> and, oh my gosh. <laughs> I'm, um, I guess, just, just a reminder of why we're doing this. So what you will not hear during this episode, with this is time with Maureen is, you know, name calling or name bashing. Why not oh, yeah. for that? <laughs> well, I'm going to do this respectfully. Um, and really, there's a, long, there's a lingering question that Maureen has, and I'm going to share that with you because I hope that, as, and I told, I told her that, you know, I have wonderful listeners. Like, the questions are always very inspiring. So I hope that when you guys listen to the question that Maureen has, because it's really lingering, it's really a question that she needs to get answers to so she can have that closure. And it's very important to know that despite her being in a loving relationship right now with her husband, 
and she definitely can mirror her both those experiences with you know husband number one and husband number two so she knows what the health relationship should be like so even despite being within the boundaries of a safe relationship some things still pop up and it's just a reminder for us to see that even though you might be out of the woods there could be some residual effect it doesn't necessarily mean that you're thinking about the past maybe something can you can hear something or see something and i think they call it triggers so that's that another thing is also we need to tell our stories because sometimes i feel like as christians even as people what we shouldn't be tagged shameful we use that as a way to kind of hold ourselves back it's okay to acknowledge you know the missteps we've made in life because nobody's perfect we're trying to figure life together and when we make mistakes or we, we take a step we're not supposed to take it's good to like you know go back and think about it to see how i can prevent that from happening to me and also to other people but shame is something that we always bring along with that back back baggage baggage and i think of shame as someone when younger they used to kill we used to kill chicken and there's this bow that you're supposed to remove carefully because if you don't remove it carefully if it bursts it's gonna like make all the chicken taste you know bitter i see that as shame like you bring it along in the back it's called it comes with the baggage because these experiences are negative but it shouldn't taint the very essence so the reason we are sharing the story is to actually to set people free especially more and i think for myself as well because um, I also need to learn, you know, how to draw healthy boundaries in all of my relationships. It doesn't have to be um, um, romantic in all of my relationships. So that's why we're really doing this. Um, so, Maureen, I think we can get started to talk about your childhood briefly, how you grew up. And I think that's a very good way to get started because your family... Babe! This <laughs> <laughs> so my husband's alarm yet again. Like I said, it's enough to like, you know, um, wake the dead person. So I think let's talk about your family dynamic because it's going to play a lot of role to kind of, people can understand just why some things happened because That's of right. that. And then why some things were, were like, it's both a protective factor. And sometimes, because I see like a double-edged sword, like the way we grew up sometimes, we have things that protect us and the things that might not protect us. So it's good to have those balance you. So can you tell us a little bit about just your childhood growing up? Well, um, I'm the only girl in my family, the only daughter of my mom. I grew up among three boys. And my family background, I mean, my family is really a close-knit one in the sense that we do everything, not really together, but we know everything about each other so much. You know, we're really involved in each other's life. And my brothers has always been overprotective of me. Like, even my dad, because I remember uh, one day that I needed to go somewhere. It was just like maybe 10 minutes away to the house. My dad would never allow me to go alone. I mean, not by myself. He yeah. had to tell his driver to go with me just so that boys don't call me or talk to me on the way. You know, it's always been like that. And even though um, I didn't grow up in affluence, like we'll say, yeah. <laughs> but you had some spoon. You didn't grow up with a silver spoon, but there's some spoon in your mouth. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, but I never lost everything I, I needed, you know, at any point in time. I always had it. So, um, uh, things like Yoruba would say, I don't know the right word to use. Jomiloju, you know, yeah. if you have anything that I don't have, I'm not going to, because of that, go and misbehave or anything. I know. You know, I'm okay in my own space and I'm content. Exactly. So that has been my upbringing and I'm glad for how far my parents tried over me because going to FGGC or yours is not a joke. That's a boarding house for those that don't know that. So we be, I met Marion in high school. Exactly. We're a boarding house, like, like I call it, internment camp for six years. It was the best of my years and it was also the worst of my years. 
I know. Well, Tell yeah. me about it. Yeah, so, yeah. yeah. So that's a solid background and I really appreciate my parents for giving me that because that built the foundation for everything I am today. Even some of the things I've gone through in life, that kind of helped me to overcome a lot, you know, all the the beauty and everything. Yeah. And yeah. yeah. This is my- okay. Good. Thank you for that. So um you left after high school, you were lucky enough to win the visa lottery and then you oh, went to yeah. the US. And that's very key to note because she didn't come here with an expired visa and she needed to, you know, she was yeah. desperate to marry somebody. I mean, she was desperate to marry, get married, but we'll explain why. And that why that can be a trap for women, especially. Mm-hmm. And, but she came here on her own legality. So she wasn't bound by anybody. Like she didn't need anybody for like what she call arranging marriage. And that's very important to know because people that, mm-hmm. you know, enter this kind of situations, it doesn't necessarily mean sometimes that they're desperate to really get married because of, you know, visa mm-hmm. purposes or green card purposes. So she moved here and, you know, Maureen was the definition of a good girl. And I remember her then in school with her long skirt and her glasses. Oh like, she God. was a good girl. And <laughs> I want to put it down. And everything I'm talking about now, I already have permission to share with you because we've, oh. we've had long talks about it. So sometimes I might come off as being brash or being, um, what's the word? Like, why are you talking about that? Because this is what Maureen really needs. Like, we need to just put everything out there. So as, as far as good girl, you call, she was a virgin before marriage. And oh. she did it right. She was quite spiritual. And and I asked that just like, would you think that being a virgin sometimes like wait you know sometimes when you hear like some virgins just think because I kept myself I deserve you know a good marriage I deserve a good man and I'd ask that that like did you think you had that um pride in your heart and also just that expectations for you know being a good girl all this while here's my reward and my reward should come in form of a man and she did admit that much I think that's also very very important because it's good to you know um, whatever your boundaries or morality can be set those boundaries but reward as far as this is because I'm a virgin this is what I I deserve can put us into trouble and Maureen also told me this and I think you should just tell us a little bit about what marriage was like to you like why you had to get married well, uh, for one, I've always had this uh, fantasy of when I'm 25, I'm going to get married, I'll marry a professional. And another thing that put me in the box was I was always thinking, oh, I'm going to marry a lawyer or a doctor, you know, that kind of African pride and bring that person home and then my parents will be mm. proud of me, that kind of thing. Then also the th- the the H thing, because mm. I remember my boyfriend that was dating then, it was a long distance relationship and I had mm. to handle it because he was not ready to get married when I clocked 25 because as I then he had nothing I mean it wasn't set at all so I was rushing for that age as well because I believed okay 25 26 that's your prime get married have your husband babies Mm -hmm. and all and another thing is also because um I value marriage a lot it's like oh have a beautiful home it's just a beautiful dream of mine so I was really looking forward to it and those were the things that pushed me to do it at the time when I did. Okay. And and I think that's on that I think you we talked about this also yesterday is that we also need to be very, very careful when we set those goals, like I have to be married by this particular time. Yeah. And I think when we take marriage to be the end or be all like once I get married, this is it, like I'm now elevated above, you know, societal status. I'm not missus. Like, that's like our goal. I mean, it's a good goal to have, but it shouldn't be your identity, your whole identity. And I say this, you know, uh, my bias is that I've been married for eight years. Eight years is not, the length of time means nothing. You know, um, that means nothing. So I'm not trying to, you know, gloat about that, no. But what I'm trying to say is that I never for once thought marriage was an achievement. No. 
is what you have with the person together, what you build together, that will be the achievement. Like I always say this, what did I do specially for my husband to find me? Did I stand, you know, by the world in a particular way? Did I, you know, smile in uh-huh. a particular way? No. He probably he was drawn to something in me as I was drawn to something in him. And it's those things that we're putting together to like, you know, make something good. So for women out there that are still aspiring towards marriage, it's a beautiful thing. I will tell you that much. You can make it beautiful. But don't let your whole identity as a person, as as an essence, be tied to being married. That is exactly. a trap. That is a trap. And and mm-hmm. and you know, um, unfortunately, and and I'm not this in Nigeria especially. As a young girl growing up, the moment you can, the moment you popped out of your mother's hoo-ha and you're walking around, it's like yeah. marriage. Is that how you're gonna do in your husband's <laughs> house? And we start training girls like so. A lot of us don't even have our identity. You're, mm-hmm. you're groomed to serve somebody. Like your purpose in life should be to be able to serve somebody. While those are good skills to have, but you should also build the other areas, like mm-hmm. at an individual level. Like as you as an individual, what are your likes? What makes you tick? So that was a big, another big trap for Marin. So you came to the US, and how did you meet? You know your first husband, and uh, do you want us to call him a nickname? Preferably something you know. Uh yeah. I have Maybe. ideas of a lot of nicknames, but okay, don't hold yeah, my suggestion. <laughs> no, no, they're not they're not they're not nice on the show. <laughs> I don't want my listeners to see my my, my bad colours yet, so no. You go okay. yes. <laughs> well for the purpose of easy communication, let's just call him I don't know. Which Yoruba name can we get? B, but that's like a big <laughs> Okay, let's say bio. Well bio, sorry okay. to whoever's bearing bio. Anyway, <laughs> so yeah, um, I met Bio on Facebook. Okay. Actually, and he had sent me messages like a year before I finally replied him. And it's just where initially when he sent me a message, I was kind of still lingering around, ending my relationship and all of that. So after um, my relationship ended, then you know I was on the lookout for something else and. Okay. Another thing that was a disadvantage to me is the fact that I was thinking, oh, how am I ever going to get married? How am I going to meet somebody? I don't go to parties. I don't go to club. My social life is like, I don't know what to call it. So yeah, Facebook was my last place to just go ahead and look like, okay, for somebody that doesn't go out. So that was why I started looking through my messages. They would say, reply your DMs, you know? Yeah, <laughs> so, yeah. Your DMs. This, was before, this was 2010, by the way. Let's put this inside. Yeah, context. this was 2010. This was before we could go on Google and find somebody who knew somebody that knew the person. Like, we're exactly. very trusting then. We're very, very trusting. <laughs> exactly. So I started scanning through my messages. I saw a bunch of, you know, ugly ones. But eventually, I found his message and I replied to him. I was like, oh, okay. Nice meeting you, blah, blah, blah. And went from there. But at that time, each time I would tell people how I met him, I never said Facebook because I was very ashamed to talk about, about it, yeah. people over on the Facebook. internet. Because it wasn't really popular as a then. Yeah, yeah, I just don't yeah. know how people are going to take it. They're going to judge me like... And now we have Tinder, like... <laughs> we met at Tinder. I, I just swiped the other direction, like, oh, happy times we had there. <laughs> and th- there's this other thing that they always say. Well, sorry because I'm gonna say this in Europe, but like, I can trust Fefe, like internet husband. Oh, that's the you know, name for it. Like, oh, so the literal translation is that a husband that floats in the sky, like a cloud-based husband. Yoruba. Oh my gosh. <laughs> exactly. You know, Nigerians are mean. Or they will spoil something for you. You go. Yeah. You be. You you be second guessing yourself. So yeah. So that made me not to disclose how I met him. Exactly. If I had done that, maybe that would have helped me, you know, in a way. Because 
it would have opened me to people's advices and I would have been able to filter the ones to pick and the ones to let go, you know. But I didn't tell people. Thank so. you for sharing that candidly. So you guys met and then you started dating? We started then, dating from there. It was long distance, yeah. Yeah, and, majorly long distance relationship because he lived eight hours away from where I was. I mean, by driving. Yeah, yeah driving, yeah. But I think the, the one I tried to bring out here was that he came to you most of the time. You never really got to know about, you never saw I, him in his natural environment. No, I never us. visited him for once while I oh, was really? dating. Mm-hmm. I never. Okay. He was always the one flying over. Sometimes he would drive to come and visit me. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that's very important because you don't know this person in their natural elements. You don't know how they are with their friends. You don't even know how, yeah. how they are with their families, assuming they have families here. What you just see is what they make you see. So that's exactly. the second trap. That is and a very, very big really trap. it's really very easy to put on a mask for the weekend, Friday to Sunday. You can play real good and then you leave and come another month, you visit the person again. So it's not like you're saying every day you see them, you know, not naked as they are. I didn't have that opportunity, yeah. Okay. And you guys did that for six months. And yes. I'm not going to talk about the length of time, like, oh, six months is so short. No, it's I don't not. think length matters as much as the quality. So yeah. let's backtrack because it's very important to notice because Maureen, Maureen's husband, like her second husband, and they all, they met for that long as well. My, oh, my original current one. We did that for the, six months. The real love of her life. Yes. <laughs> they only did it for the same six months and it's so different. It's like night and day. So I say this out that length of time doesn't matter as long as it does quality. Not. You know, another thing I asked me was, was there somebody that your husband, your ex-husband rather, referred to, someone that he feared, someone that could talk to him, someone that he could listen to, and she was like, there was nobody. There was because nobody. in his family structure, he was the breadwinner. So everybody was like a yes man to him. Everyone said yes to him. Everyone deferred to him because he had the money. And so mm-hmm. the, even his mom, like, you know, there was nobody to even talk to him. And, you know, mm-hmm. if anything happened, Maureen was just by herself. And so yeah. that's very, very important. You need to find out your significant other to be who they defer to. There has to be somebody you defer to. Like, if you think you're in, you know, the, 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 you're in your own little universe where you reign supreme in your little kingdom, that is also another red flag right there. It is. Yeah. Okay. Um, and so you guys finally got married and went to Nigeria. You did the church wedding, which um, I know people living here might be a little bit different. So church weddings in Nigeria, for the most part, Sometimes it's not legally binding, depending on the kind of church. So what some churches suggest you do is you go to the courts or in front of a magistrate and you get like the documentation showing that you were legally, legally married. Some yeah. churches have that dual combination of, you know, doing the church and the, um, the officiating minister could be someone that is recognized by the state laws to like join together in holy matrimony or unholy matrimony, whatever your matrimony level is. But in her case, all she did was just the church wedding, right? And the traditional wedding. And the hope was to come to the U.S. to get it done, correct? To get the official one done. Yeah. All right. Now, can you tell us what happened the moment you stepped into, like, at the, <laughs> at the point of entry? Now, you guys remember that Maureen already had a green card. I think by then you already a citizen, right? Oh, no. I had a year to become a citizen. Then. Okay. But she had a green card. Like, she wasn't dependent yeah. on anybody. But oh, yeah. when, was, when did you start seeing those little cracks, you know, on the, the, uh, the mirror of started, yeah i started seeing the red sign when we were coming back from nigeria in fact the first day we were entering the u.s uh, from mm-hmm. getting married 
we got to the point of entry and they were doing a random check at the time. I think something was happening because this guy was working with uh, a food company and it's a major part of the U.S. They supply food all over. So if any of their employees going to travel outside of the country, they're going to put them on a watch because they don't know what they're bringing back or how it's going to cause contamination and all that. Yeah. Exactly. Or a mass destruction to people. So I think uh, his name was listed as being out of the country. So when he was coming back, they picked him mm-hmm. you know, for random checking. And, uh, and as at the time, too, somebody was sending a threat message to one of their bosses at work. The guy was in Yemen at the time. So it was like a little stuff. So they were, uh, you know, um, asking questions and all that. So they picked him and started questioning him that where was he coming from? Did he go to Yemen while he was in Nigeria? What are the places that he visited and all of that? So while he was picked, he, he told me that he's going to call somebody right now who can help that he doesn't know what's going on. But in the event that he doesn't get through to the person and the person calls back, I should let the person know that he called and that if, if she asks who I am, I should tell her that I'm his sister. Hmm. And I was like, why will I tell her I'm your sister? I'm your wife. But he said, oh, just do as I said, you know. And I was like, okay. So he went inside. He gave me his phone. And not quite long, the lady called back and saying, oh, uh, bio just called me. Is everything okay? It sounded like there's an emergency. And mind you, this lady is an Akata. You know, oh, okay. Call- Akata is what you call um, <laughs> African-American. Sorry for using that it, word. It's, <laughs> yeah. Well, this it's just we're just gonna call her African American. Let's just say yeah, Akata. Sorry so for using that word. I yeah, didn't it's, mean to okay. Say that. it's okay. Oh, no, I know yeah. it's okay. I don't think the jury is out to see whether it's is an offensive word. Is that the term we use? Like or involve for white people, Akata for you know. Yeah. So she's an African American, and she called back and she said, "Oh, Bio just called me. Is everything all right?" Then I told her, "No, that uh, there's a situation going on. They just picked him. We don't know what's going on." And then she was like, "Who are you?" Then I said, "I'm his sister." I mean, as I was taught to say, oh, yeah. So she was like, okay, when he comes back out, just tell him to give me a call back. I'm going to be by my phone. So when he came right out, I said, oh, this lady just called and she told told me to tell you to call her back. So he called her back, but he didn't uh, place the call in my presence. So I was like, why do you have to walk away to make a call? I'm your wife and there's nothing we're hiding. We're both here. You know, this is a, uh, the port of entry. It's a big issue. What's going on? So he stepped away and made the call. When he came back, he was like, what did you tell her on the phone? And I just looked, what do you mean, what did I tell her on the phone? I just told her what you told me to say, that I'm your sister. Um, we're just coming back from Nigeria. This is the situation going on. Then he said, oh, well, she's very angry. She didn't like the way you spoke. And I was like, to God who made me, I didn't say anything. I didn't show any attitude over the phone. Why would she say that? So I felt a little sad. And at the same time, I was thinking, What's going on? But that was where I started being uncomfortable, you know, I mean, for a minute. And then the whole situation got settled. We finally realized, you know, something was going on on his job, blah, blah, blah. And they let him go. And we got home. And that was the first time we started living together. But that day continued to play in my head. Why will you tell me to tell her that I'm your sister? That's not normal. Hmm. So, yeah. (laughs) So... At this point, what was going on in your mind? Like, did you suspect that he had somebody else? When he said that, I actually thought maybe he was cheating on me. And he didn't want me to know 
what was going on at the time and which I did have that conversation with him because I called him I was like I need to know what actually happened that day why did they pick you up are you in some sort of trouble you know so he explained mm -hmm. everything to the point of telling me you know yeah because that was what brought out the whole explanation of how he got into the country so mm -hmm. um when I asked who the lady was she said I mean he said she's the only person I can call if I'm in trouble and I said, why is that? So he said, oh, she was the one that brought me to the U.S. And this is how I got him. Then I said, okay, why were you picked? He said he didn't know if he was in trouble because he had had a problem with immigration one time that he traveled to um, Bahamas and his paper was still in process. So they were going to deport him back to Nigeria as at the time because he was not supposed to travel outside the country then. Yeah. So uh, the Bahamas immigration were going to deport him back to Nigeria. But he had called this lady. And as at then, this lady was, okay, maybe I shouldn't give her identity. Well, yeah. she was working in a high regard, you know. She, she, she had the status, like, yeah. Yeah, exactly. Who called the shot, yeah. Yeah. So he had to call her, and then she called some people, you know, in high places, and then they had to, um, um you know, move his uh, uh, paper stuff for as quickly as possible just so Wow. And wow. that's what she had to do because they were going to deport him to Nigeria. So she had to make calls and everything and then have them give him a new visa from Bahamas to America. Like he was just nearly coming because that's the wow. only way he would, he would not have gone to Nigeria. So that's how powerful this woman is that he was involved with. So imagine me contesting with her. <laughs> this like, is a 26 year old. I know. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. I don't know. Um, so we're just going to fast forward here. I'm just going to summarize some of the things you've told me. So it turns out that your husband, well, be Bio, Bio was legally married to this person. Yeah. And you were the side, you know, woman, and you didn't know that. You know, you, exactly. you thought this was your husband, but apparently he was, he was a buffet. He was going around like people were having a piece of him. <laughs> like, you know, um, Popeye's chicken. And then... You also found out that in his workplace, you were not listed as the next of kin. Yeah. Mm -hmm. and this so, woman was. Yeah, the woman was. He was gone from the house for about three days. And then you go to his office to go looking for him. Like, he never, you never even knew a lot of his friends, number one. You never, yeah. you know, you were not going to any of his work parties and things like that. So Nothing. you went there and they told you, sorry, we can't give you any information about this person. Because the name on his next of kin wasn't yours. It was this other yes. person. This mm -hmm. other woman that had his last name, mm -hmm. but you couldn't get access to that. And then by the time he finally came home, he never told you where he was for three days because he kept mm -hmm. going to work, but he just wasn't coming from home to work. Mm -hmm. All right. And and I also think you said something about emotional abuse and financial abuse. Can you yeah. talk a little bit about that? Because I think it's also very important for the listeners to know that this thing just don't start one day. Like people will be like, it oh, did you happen. see the signs? No. People that will manipulate you, they call it grooming or, or ghost. Like it's not, it's not just something that you know, a big thing. It's little by little, like yeah. uh, like what's that game we always play, um, Jenga. Like you're removing the chips a little by little, and the whole thing just comes crumbling down. So yeah. let's just start talking about some of the patterns. Like looking back, because I'm sure when you were there, you didn't really see a lot of these signs, and there wasn't a lot of people for you to talk to because you know your personality. And then he moved you to his. Um, where he was living. Space, so he yeah. unplugged you from your natural environment. But, exactly. you know, in some relationships, that's like a mutual discussion to be had. 
but you almost had no choice. You had to move there. So all of your friends, all of the structure you had built for many years, nothing, nothing. you know. So can we just talk about those emotional and financial abuse? So that I yes, when I married him, like you just said, I had to relocate from where I was to go live with him. And going to live with him, oh, I was by myself. I had no friends. I couldn't go out because he was the only one I had. I could call somebody I can relate with, somebody I expected to be doing things with, going out and all of that. So my social life was zero other than going to church, going to work, and of course, do my online school as a then. And when all these problems started that he wasn't coming home, I was always home by myself. Uh, he would not talk to me in the house for days. You know, it was driving me crazy so i became so depressed i wasn't functioning like i should and then it started affecting me on the job as well that most days i'll be calling off work i'm not coming in today just because up there i wasn't myself and you you know if you keep calling off work every now and then you're gonna get fired yeah you're gonna gonna fire you so eventually i had to turn in my letter saying i'm going prn call which means call me when you need me exactly but and I that's a pay cut. Pay. That's a significant pay cut. And you don't, you don't even get like frequent calls. It is. It is. Because most of the time, n- nobody expects to be calling out every now and then. So because even you when you had your full-time job, you're already always there. Exactly. So, PRN, why would they trust that you show up when they need exactly. you like urgently? That, that was like a disadvantage to me. And annoying to me, that was an hedge for him. So, he, he took over that situation to abuse me emotionally and financially because now I had to depend on him for everything. Oh, you and, know, also, really and also sexually, too. I mean, we're not going to go into details, but yeah, yeah he withheld his body from you. I was going through a lot. We were in the house for eight months. There was no sexual relation between husband and wife. He would rather uh, watch porn and do stuff after going out there to do because as I then, he was claiming that he wasn't sleeping with that elderly woman because this woman was in her 50s. She's old. Uh, but I knew they did have something. Because even as at then, the woman said, oh, uh, I want you in my family. If you can't marry me, marry my sister. You know how oh. those people think. Ah. Yeah, that's what she said. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> and the sister is not young as well. She's, she's an older person. So he had to fight for his freedom. Like, no, you, I, I want babies. I want to get married. So eventually he said that she told her, I mean, she told him, to go and marry a younger person that will give him babies, but she's still going to be on the side, which he agreed to. And me coming on board, having to depend on him because of uh, quitting my job and all of that, I suffered a lot for doing that because I think that made him angrier that this is a... Uh, a an, extra amount to, an extra amount to feed, basically. A- exactly, with income being... Uh, and he forgot to say all of his family members depending on him. They depend every on time him he gets well. his paycheck, I think uh, that was an analogy you gave that his the, his under like his singlet, which is like I don't know what they call it, but that stuff guys wear under their clothes. Like it was so thin, like he hardly buys anything for himself. All of his money just goes to his family and to the woman. Yeah, because that's another thing I was gonna say. When he was busy sending all those money, because it just became like a Santa Claus. You know, let them hex this, it would have sent him. Let them hex that, it would have sent him. I was the one using my money to take care of the bills here. And it was busy, you know, being the old daddy of Nigerian children. Yeah, as Santa Claus, yeah. Daddy exactly. mm-hmm. So when I let go of my job, you know, there's no way it's going to be sending as much as it was because he had to now take care of the bills here while I was staying at home. So that kind of made him to be mean 
more to me because I mm. had to quit my job. So it became more hell. Mm, mm. So um, Mr. James had a question for you. Oh, so it's yeah. like, you're already married to this person. So you've got nothing to lose after all. Why didn't you raise a big alarm when you noticed? Because since he was using you to call yourself his sister, when you found out that you weren't the next of kin, why didn't you, you know, I think what he means by that, why didn't you like say something? Why didn't you try to leave or things like that? You and know, I, think, I think I asked you that question. You asked that question too last night. Yes. Uh, we come from a country where you're not allowed to say something if you're going through something you're married. The culture of shame is a huge deal. And that's why one of the reasons why, why, uh, why I'm doing this, you know, give people the opportunity to talk if they're in, a, uh, in an unpleasant situation. But as I then, I just got married. It's unheard of. Like, just barely two weeks into the marriage, this red flag is uh, coming up. And then, even if I had said something, they would have been like, oh, you are overthinking it. It may not be what it is, you know? You know how we are. I, I mean, Nigerians. Yeah, so yeah, you know, yeah. You're overthinking this, you're that, you're that. So I just, and that was how I talked to, like, if I said that to anybody, they would have told me that. So, okay, maybe I'm overthinking it. Let me just hack him and hear his side of the story. And whatever he says, maybe I can work with it. And when he explained the situation, I tried to reason with it. Okay, now you have this woman on the side. Why are you not letting her go? You need her for, uh, uh, you know, he needed her for his own benefit. Because this woman, let her know here that he doesn't have money. She's going to send some money to him. And even some of the text messages between them, like when he has a headache, he tells the woman, you even know, you exactly. live in the same house. You never knew what was going on with him. He will not talk to me. I had to read it from text messages and emails coming to his phone that, oh, oh, how are you doing? Is your headache now gone? Have you gone to the hospital? And I'm like, you left home this morning. I didn't know this was wrong with you. How come she's knowing? She doesn't live with her. So that's the kind of relationship. So I think he just needed her as a sugar mommy. Let me just say that on the side. I'll be taking care of him and everything. And they did everything together. They um, had but she's also more powerful because one word from her and he could have been kicked out from the country. Exactly. You know, so uh, they could have roped me into something that I know nothing about because of the status that she had. So, you know, and they, they were so close. Everything. Health insurance, uh, auto insurance, everything financial. They do everything together. You so were I the other me. woman. You were just, you were like the intrusion. <laughs> And you never even signed up for that. Yeah. And yeah. another thing that I think is, he just needed me to give him babies. Like the Nigerian woman that is young, that's going to be popping babies for me on the side while I'm dealing with this other woman for my own financial benefit. Yeah. I don't know. And I think there's something you told me that one time when you had like raised hell, like, you know, I don't see you, you don't come home, yada, yada, yada. And what's with this woman? I think you said something like, at least I come home to you. Yes, he told me that. Because another thing, he doesn't receive his mails where we live. The, the house we lived at then was rented in my name. He didn't want to have anything to do with me on paper in America. And that was another red flag. Because I'm thinking, okay, the purpose of me going to Nigeria to get married is so that when we come back here, we'll have our registry and get things going and do the normal thing we're supposed to do. But he doesn't want to have anything that shows his name and mine together. So wow. renting the house, he said, oh, you know, this will help you to build your credit. That was what he said. <laughs> I mean, you, you've been living in this country like, you know, I don't know, maybe longer than him, but at least because she's living like been. Now. <laughs> You know, because I came to this country in 2004. 
so but I was just so clueless about so many things. I you was were sheltered. Naive. You were very sheltered. You know, I wasn't exposed at all. And I think my upbringing has something to do with that too. They were always, like I told you, I, I couldn't even go alone to Lagos by myself. Lagos is just like... That was like a jungle. <laughs> less than two hours to where I live. <laughs> I didn't tell you this. That when I went to Nigeria in 2014, my dad still had my brother go with me to Lagos. He was like, ah, wow. this guy is just coming from America. She doesn't know anywhere in this country. Oh, follow her, follow her. You know, I was going for a friend's uh, um, event and I was supposed to stay there for the weekend. My dad had my brother go with me. Um, my brother had to stay in the hotel while I go for the event. And I'm like, really? <laughs> so you, you can imagine that. So that's the kind of life I, I, uh, I lived in the past. And that also came into that marriage. So I didn't know anything. And it was just whatever he tells me. That you I, did. I go with. Yeah. So he said, let's rent this apartment in your name for you to build your credit. And I did that. So all that was in my name. The views, everything, even though he was paying, but that was in my name. It was in your name. Legally, so you're yeah. responsible for that. Exactly. And I think it was also that his family never, you, you never, they never really liked you from your perception. That's another thing. Yeah. Yeah. And it, yeah, again, because of, from what I perceived, they wanted a wife that would be doing the Nigerian wife kind of thing. You know how they'll be like, go to your in-laws house, do the cooking, stay there for the weekend, the typical local Nigerian woman. And that wasn't me because I left Nigeria when I was uh, a teenager, yeah. my formative years, really. So all I knew was here, apart from the little Nigerian ways that my friend taught me, most of my um, develop, uh, developing was done here. So when they said that, I was like, that's not me. I mean, if I would come to Nigeria, I would rather pay for somebody to do that. You know, if you have an event going on, rather than me come there and be cooking and slaving and all of that. So they didn't like me because of the way I was like, oh, this Oyibo wife that my brother went and married. So that was a disadvantage as well. Even mm. though I tried to be close to them, but uh, no. And another thing, they thought, oh, I was shielding him from sending them money as well. Because yeah. I was thinking like, you were, you, were, you were reducing their ration because you were exactly. an extra amount to feed. And another thing, because I said, you've been living like that before I met you. Now that you're married, prepare for your own future. You're going to start having children. Have like, you know, they're going to go to school. This is America. You know, plan your life. So, and he, in one of his outbursts to them, was like, now nah, I'm a married woman. I have to live for myself as well. I want to have children. Nobody should call me again. So they knew like, okay. It was from you. Exactly. You will know somebody like, this is not who he was before this. And when your person starts to misbehave, you know there's an influence there. So they knew maybe I'm the one beating the drum under. So yeah, they didn't like me. Wow. And another, so the parents were in there. And then even his church, the church he went to his church and they were biased towards him. And this is very important to them because something happened down the line. And for a moment, it felt like nobody believed Maureen's story. Like, he's like, you know, this can't be happening to you. And um, yeah. Just to say something else, like he broke her down really mentally to a time where she had to be dependent on him. Yeah. And Maureen yeah. had been in this country since 2004. I just say like that's okay. a long time to be here. Like, and she, you're gonna hear Maureen's story um on another episode where we talked about you know her experience moving to the US. She's been through a lot when she the way she learned in the US. She went through a whole lot. So <laughs> it's not as if she's like a spring chicken. And no. so he broke her down to the point where. Someone that was hustling, that was by herself, you know, making rent and being able to pay her bills. And then when she gets married, like everything she's learned, she just, you know, nothing. 
And so we have to be very careful. We'll be like, well, what happened? Well, well, no. This, it takes because I was, I was thriving where I came from. Exactly. I was so used to that environment. You know, I lived in a, uh, in a town home, paying my rent, doing whatever I had to do. And they just uprooted me from there. From within there, Nigeria, you had to start again. And yeah, all of the abuse and all of that. Like, yes. Oh, it's the wife that moves to the husband. Says who? I know. Tradition is just peer present from there, people. Exactly. Yeah. Honestly, we need to yeah. change this tradition then. Because they were to. like, oh, yeah, the wife has to move to the husband. It's not the husband moving to the wife. And I was like, it's easier for him to move to where I was. He could have gotten another job. I wouldn't have, even if I would have been in that situation, yeah. it would have been minimized, you know, See, the consequences. Marine, I think that if this guy had even moved to you, based on just how much hold he had on you, he probably would have communicated, like, has communicated your friends, he would have just sequestered you, and even Not though it wasn't like, you know, <laughs> yeah, he, yeah, like, it was already made it a little bit worse, because people that knew before, like, Marine Kinko, Marine doesn't call us, we don't know what's happening with Marine, like, you could have just gone cold turkey and everybody. Now, but um, I would have had options too, though, like, okay, probably like, leave the house to be with my friends, your or friends, and all of that, all of you know, that. rather than yeah. staying in that same house, he's the one living, and I'm crying, waiting yeah. on him to come yeah. back days and days and days. So, yeah. So, um, so Maureen talked about her family structure, just how really close and tight knit they were. Even when all of this was happening, she confided in her mom, and of yeah. course, her siblings got to hear about it. But and I asked her, like, why didn't any one of them just tell you, like, to leave? And she was like, they just, you know, kept praying about it. Like, they didn't think divorce was an option. Another thing that was going on, mm. I had nowhere to go. Nobody. Even though I have cousins and aunties here, everybody's in their own space, you know, in other, other states. I believed I had nowhere to go. I was by myself and I have to struggle this out. So if I just up and leave, where am I living to? Am I going to sleep on the street? And that's a trap right there because you didn't yeah. know, even though now you know, there's so many social services that are available that's for you. Like yes. Women's shelter, even some other churches. But I think when yeah. you're in that situation where you're like a soldier that is manning all kinds of fronts, you get worn out. You, 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 I mean, your identity is being stripped away slowly. And so what is left of you is just a mirror of the person you were. So there's not enough excavation in your brain to like think about oh, what are my other options? I it's wasn't like, thinking right. Exactly, exactly. And how about your friends? Like, people that are around you, like, did you have friends that could help I you? I didn't have friends. Uh, other than the people at my church, and they, they are way older than me. I was just 26. And I just called them auntie, auntie, auntie. And it's not really, I mean, they are not the kind of people I can easily relate with on my level. I remember calling one of our friends, Olumide, when I was having this uh, sexual problem then, like, oh, okay, if you're married to somebody and they're not having sexual relations with, uh, with you, is it normal? How yeah. can I do it? I remember I was also a virgin. I wasn't exposed. I didn't even know how to have sex. Let's just say that. So that was another uh, issue in that marriage because he didn't enjoy sex with me. And I believe in a loving relationship, um, you could help, help somebody navigate through stuff. Like, okay, I know you teach them. To yeah, you teach yourself. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So I, had, I had to call Olumide then, you know, to ask advice. Like, and, you know, she had to teach me, like, ah, you're a married woman. You have to do this. You have to do that. So that was the only time I remember ever calling somebody to share something with them. Mm, mm. I, I didn't call anybody to explain what I was doing. So I guess that's, that, comes, that boils down to your personality as well. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's what the most part of your family, given how just close you guys were. You guys were enough for each other up until that point. So there was no need to like, keep talking. To bring an outsider. Because the fact that, um, you know, everyone is 
married. I also think it would be a shameful thing to say that I'm going through this in my marriage. I mean, now you see it everywhere. People drawing support from one another, going through the same situation that they're going through. Then it's like everybody just needed to be quiet. You can't talk about what you're going through. You have to paint this picture of perfect situation. You know, yeah, people. yeah, yeah. That's so true. That's so true. Like when we use word like God hates divorce, like you know, divorce is a lie from the devil. Fine, God hates divorce. But if you're in a place where, you know, um where you're not I mean in that situation where it seems like on both ends, like there wasn't like progress, spiritual in every sense of the word, then are you sure you should? I mean, unless both of you are actively sticking towards that point of okay, we're broken people, we both acknowledge our you know, missteps, let's work together. It's hard for you to just keep going on being pummeled by that level of abuse. And I always just say that when I talk to friends like this with this issue, like, I'm not trying to break your mind. I'm not going to say divorce is pressing, but let's work on you first, you know, work on you. And I think most times people don't even have that bravery to like speak up and be like, here's my situation. Because we feel like we can't trust other people. But I'm like, we can't all come, we can't all just be going like, I can't trust people, I can't talk to people. Find some, Find a stranger to talk to. Let them just hear what you're going through because realize that a lot of these things you keep inside and it's weighing you down. By the time you even talk to somebody, even if it's somebody that is, you know, that might not even give you the good advice, just saying out there, proclaiming like, oh, and then realize that, okay, I feel just a little bit better, but it's at least a little bit better than what I, you know, I was like before then. So, yeah. Um, and then something happened. You guys had like a scuffle at home and then the cops were called. Yeah, Tyler Perry. Yeah, that was you. <laughs> that, that was me. Except this guy is here to break his legs. <laughs> that was me in a way. Because, I'll, you know, after going through this whole thing, I had to evaluate what I did wrong. And the only thing I, I know that I did wrong was getting angry. Other than that, I didn't do anything wrong in that marriage. I tried everything possible to make it work. Yeah. Even to the point that I lost my dignity for this guy. Like, he was just treating me like trash. And I'll still be begging, crying, like, let's make this work, let's make this work. No matter what, because, like I said, that was an achievement for me. And I valued it a lot. And it became my identity as well, because I held it so dear to my heart. Like, for me to do this, I'm not letting it go. So I was ready to do anything and everything. And when we had this argument, it was about that same woman as well, because I've had enough. I just kept thinking about it, like, okay, we went to Nigeria to get married. We came back here, we're supposed to do the registry. We did not do it. And then I started seeing all these text messages on your phone because I, I knew his password then, but he wasn't away. So I was always looking around, checking stuff, who he was sending the money to. And I later got to find out that he was having another relationship on Facebook with a lady in Nigeria. So he yeah. like, to marry her. And, the, like, and this one, his, his family supports this one, like, she would go to their house, cook for them. She was like the wife they wanted. Exactly. I found out she had had these people, you know, had their house. They endorsed her. So, and I'm like, you know, my head was just going like that. Like, you're in this current relationship that is not working, and you're planning to take on another wife. Really? So, that just, and he was always sending money to her. And hardly would he give me $20 here. And I would still be crying, begging, begging, begging. So I've had enough. I've gone crazy to the maximum that I just excluded. So when we had that altercation, I'm just hiding. And he was trying to leave the house that day, but I wouldn't let him. 
not going anywhere. So we started struggling. And eventually when I saw that, okay, this will lead to somewhere that we don't want it to. Yeah. I tried uh, picking my car key and I said I was leaving. Uh, I'm done. I'm going. I'm going. Even though I had nowhere to go, but I said I was going. But maybe he thought he was the one that brought me to that state. He was responsible for me. And if I go somewhere, he may not know where I'm going. So he snagged the key from me and kept it in his pocket. And I, I tried to reach in his pocket, struggling to get that key. Like, okay, I'm leaving. Give me the key. So as we were struggling, he held down my hand in his pocket because he didn't want me to get the key. And in the process, he rubbed my hand. And when he did, I started shouting like, oh, you just hurt me, you just hurt me. Let my hand go, let my hand go. But it's still with him. So I said, oh, I'm going to call the cops on you. Are you trying to kill me? And I was just saying that just to protect myself because I believe we're Nigerians. Even he will fight ourselves and do stuff. You shouldn't get to the point of calling the cops. This is America. Yeah. You may think, oh, I'm just trying to scare this yeah, person. Yeah, but yeah. they will take it far. Yeah. They will even take the case from you and start fighting your case on your behalf. Yeah. So I just said that to scare him. But he thought I, I probably would have talk on it because I had gone to the room shouting and crying, oh, you just hurt me. I'm going to call the cops on you. And I did not. The next thing I heard, the only thing I went to do in the room was to pick my phone and call my mom in Nigeria. But this was like around uh, 7, 6 p.m., 7 p.m. on, on Sunday at, at the time. So I got to pick my phone to call my mom, telling her this is what is going on. But maybe he thought I was calling the cops. I don't know. But eventually, anyway, he picked his phone and called the cops. And I heard him saying on the phone that, oh, I need you guys to come right now. My wife is crazy. My wife is crazy. And the person on the other hand was saying, oh, sir, are you okay? Are you in any danger? Does she have a weapon? And he said, no, but I need you guys to come right now. Uh, or she's going crazy. She's going crazy. And then... With my, because my, my mom was on the phone, I put her on speaker. She was hearing everything too. She was like, "Oh, Bayo, please, what what is going on, my dear? Let's do this whole thing. What do you mean your wife is crazy? He would not talk to her. He just said, "I will show you today." And I was like, you know, I just started laughing hysterically, like somebody that was crazy too, really. Because I was yeah. like, "Really, I'm crazy. What do you mean I'm crazy? Am I here to strangle you? Or do I have a knife for anything?" But to cut the long story short, the cops came, and you know, in the process of struggling to get my car key from his pocket, his pocket tore on the same line, or on the side of his pocket, on the right side. So when the cop came and went to talk to him, they were like, who called the cops? He said it was the one. So they said, oh, sir, what's going on? And then he said, we're fighting, and then she did this. So immediately they saw that. The cop just said, oh, come on. So as they were coming to me, till today, I did not have an opportunity to talk. Because immediately they came to me, one of the cops just said, you're going to jail. And I'm like, what do you mean I'm going to jail? I didn't do anything wrong. I didn't hurt him. He said, you just assaulted a man. And I said, sir, I didn't do anything. Can I just explain my situation? I was like, ma'am, can you keep quiet right now? And they just handcuffed me. Yeah. And I, I was whipped away. And um, as I was going, I started crying. And I looked into his eyes. I was like, Bayo, are you really going to do this? What did I do wrong? Is it a crime that I loved and married you? What did I do wrong? So he now said, oh, excuse me, sir, can you not take my wife away? That, that was the next thing he said. And the cop was like, you called us. We have to make an arrest. Is it that we take you or we take her? Somebody needs to go with us tonight. And of course, he can't love me more than himself. So they have to take me. And I went with them. Yeah. So I was arrested and put in detention. And while I was there, 
I didn't know what to do because the judge had presided over my case and they said I was going to pay a bond. I had no clue. I mean, I have never done anything wrong in America. I've always lived a righteous life per se, you know, live my life by the books and everything. So when they brought the paper that I have to make a deal with the bonding company to be able to get a bill and live in the uh, morning, I had no idea what, what I was supposed to do. So I was just right there. I saw people making phone calls, 2 a.m., 3 a.m. I was just sitting there staring into space like, God, why am I here? I'm not supposed to be here. So eventually, by the morning, almost everybody was gone. Because they could make bail. You didn't know anything about that. I had no clue. And what was my offense? I didn't even do anything. I could easily make bail and go home. But I was clueless. I had no idea. So I was just sitting right there. And when the morning came, you know, People change shifts and everything. I was still staring. I just said, they gave me this paper. I'm not supposed to be here. The, uh, the woman was like, I don't know. You just have to wait until they call you. I didn't know what to do. Mm -hmm. So eventually, these guys came to get the remaining of us. And they put, put us in their car. What do they call the car? What do they call it in Nigeria, sir? You are the Black Maria. I see the outside word. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think she's Black Maria. But I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, you like having criminals. Yeah. I had no clue where I was after that. After leaving detention, that was it. Till mm. today, I don't even know where that prison was. Like I can't find my way there, if at all. So they put us in that car and they whisked us away. And I was everything was just like a dream to me. From one minute fighting at home that somebody is feeding on you to getting the cops called and to you being detained and then going. To a one-day prison per se, if I'm allowed to say that. So, you know, they whisked me away, and then I got to that prison, and of course, they gave me their uniform, took away my stuff. I remember the last call I placed was to my mom, you know, telling her that this guy had called the club, and I don't know what's going on. So everyone had been worried in Nigeria because they couldn't reach me after that. My phone was taken away from me. I mean, that, that was just it. So everyone was worried. It was not picking their phone. They didn't know what was going on, and I got there. They gave me their uniform, I wore it, and I was taken away. That was the worst and the lowest point in my life. Because um, not for any reason should anybody go to jail. Like, don't do crime. Let me just say that. It's not a place for anybody to be. I've expressed it, and it's not fun. So even though it's for maybe a day or two, but it's not fun. So I went there and... But still, um, but still it's like, I can't even imagine it, this thought that was really going on in your head. It, it really did. I remember the last meal I had had been from that Sunday afternoon. So it's like I was doing marathon fasting after work because I just couldn't explain it. All I was just saying is, God, deliver me from this. How I got myself into this, I have no idea. I'm proud to that. I've been having dreams of, of being arrested and I just couldn't put it together consistently these dreams came you know with a little variation but all i did was just to pray this oh god i rebuke it in jesus name this is not me then i searched through my life what was i doing wrong i wasn't doing anything illegal i have no business with the cop you know so i just waved it off like that not knowing that it was actually gonna happen i was gonna be arrested so you know mm. i was there in that prison and then people were talking about what brought them there you know and of course you know women some of them are there that they have no hope. They already know we are in this because we killed somebody, because we did drugs, because, you know, 
for good case so that can make somebody go to jail. So when they asked me what mine was, I said, I tore somebody's pocket. <laughs> so, you know, and the next one of them said is, girl, when I leave here, I'm going to make sure I trap <laughs> Give me his address. Yeah, I'm going like, to fix him real up. <laughs> I'm going to fight on your behalf. Because they all were crying. They were like, you're not supposed to be here. You don't look like the kind of person that will be here. You know, this innocent look. And, I mean, they knew they did something wrong is why they were there. So you've been there and they're like, you didn't even do anything. Why are you here? But I, I just can't explain it. And then I saw people making calls and I tried because, you know, from prison, you can only do a collect call. You have no access to anything. I don't have money. I don't have nothing. So I placed a collect call to somebody in uh, North Carolina as a dad. Because, you know, I, I, I just lost touch with everybody. Nobody knew what I was going through, what was going on. Everybody thought, okay, this girl is married. She's fine. But when I placed that call, I just needed somebody to help me because I don't know what else to do. So I placed that collect call to her. And when she got the call, you know, the call will tell you to say your name so that the person will accept from their side and pay for the call. So when I called her and I said my name, she thought it was, uh, it was a scam. Like, Maureen can't be in Tennessee County Jail or whatever. What would she be doing there? So she didn't believe I could call her, even though I said my name. So she hung up the call. And... <laughs> And I kept calling. I, I think I did call three to four times. And she did not pick. So I started crying like, ah, my own has finished. Or who will rescue me from here? Because nobody could believe I would ever be there with the kind of way that I had lived my life and that I was living my life. So I was stuck. And the only thing I could just say is, God, all hope is lost at this moment. But um, 11th hour miracle was needed at that point. And that's one of the mm-hmm. times that I knew that if people are saying God is not real, God is very much real. Because when all hope is lost, that you feel you've, you've reached your wit's hand, there's nothing else to do, it will definitely show up. And I saw him in action that day. Um, you know, like I said, people were making collect calls. So, you know, I mean, uh, some of the girls had misbehaved and they put them on lockdown. Everywhere was dead. I mean, like silent. We came back on like after five minutes because that was when I saw people being treated like animals. I was just in one corner watching, trying to say, God, I'm not supposed to be here. Just get me out by all means possible. So anyway, to cut the long story short, like I said, people were um, making collect calls. I had to go and now talk to one of the warders like, please, I'm not supposed to be here. I was supposed to have been gone since morning, but I'm still here because I don't know what to do. Can you just help me? Uh, place a call from your cell phone or from the office so that I can reach somebody because nobody's speaking my collect call. And this man was like, no, that's illegal. I can't let you do that. You know, just do it like your uh, mates are doing. But I was right there crying. And fortunately for me, one of their bosses, she was supposed to have gone. I don't know what she forget. Maybe it was God that brought her back. She saw me crying and then she told them to call me, to come into the office. So I went in to meet with her and she said, what is the problem with you? And I told her I wasn't supposed to be there. They said I was cleared to be bailed, but why I'm still here, I don't know because I don't know the process to get myself out of this. Can I just make a call to somebody? Maybe I can get through to them because my collect calls are not being picked. People did not expect I was going to be here. That's not me, you know? And then she looked at me. She said, oh, so you are a first-time offender. I said, I mean, I'm what you would call that because... I never committed any crime in my life. So she mm-hmm. said, okay, 
and she placed the call. She said, I'm only going to do this. I don't know why I'm doing it, but I'm just going to do it. Because like I said, they are not allowed to do that. So From their own personal call. phone call. They're not supposed to use yeah. their personal phone call. So maybe she just had pity on my life and it's God at work as well. So she called from her office and I called my pastor at, at then, you know, that mommy, help me out. I'm still here. And the next thing she said was Esther. So you are there. You like the, all the issues you guys have been having, it's gotten to that point. And I said, well, I'm here. I don't know what to do. Then she said, have you heard from your husband? I said, no, I don't so know. He wasn't trying to, he wasn't trying to find out where you were. He wasn't trying to like, you know, I am not because I was not allowed to get in contact with him. Anymore. But he, he could, at least he could like, you know, call the, the 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 police station around to find out where you were taken. I mean, even though you couldn't have contact with him, he I had the power. You know what I mean? I had no idea, and I was trying to be careful because I didn't know what I was gonna do wrong. That we had more to what I was I going see, through. I see, I see, I see, you know, I so I was just trying to be Plus, careful. You know, being in jail, like you know, that's, that's like that's the worst you can ever yeah. imagine. Yeah, in a million years would I have thought I would go through that? You know. So I was just trying to be careful. Like before they go, I increase my sentence. I don't know what I did wrong. <laughs> so I was trying to shoot myself in a way. So I called her and she said, oh, she will do something. And then she called another uh, church member who I was so close to as a then, you know, him and his wife to let them know the situation. And then they got in touch with my husband then. And eventually uh, he came and got me up. He came actually. And I remember uh, sitting in his car because I just couldn't explain it. I didn't know what to say. I was just right there, you know. And as I remember the experience, I broke down the mall. Because it's like, this is somebody that you lost so much. You gave everything. I practically lost myself for this guy. I had no identity other than their marriage as a then. So I valued it a lot. And I was ready to do everything and anything. And I remember, you know, another thing when I was trying to um, have babies for him because he had low sperm count. I remember going through different routes, getting injection upon injection to get my body ready to to have his uh, sperm inserted because they said they had to do some process. Like I said, I had no clue about IVF and stuff. You know, but he was always telling people I was the one with the problem because I was in school. I was not ready to have babies. It didn't come out straight to them. And I had told him then, like, even if you don't have any sperm, you will get, I, I will have my baby. That's how radical I was in my faith. Like, <laughs> we have babies. People without me, they, they get pregnant and have babies. So I was ready until the script flipped. And the time I was going to go do the uh, IVF with the sperm, the doctor had to tell me they were going to use somebody else's sperm. And I said, what is going on? That was not the agreement. We agreed you were going to use my husband's sperm. How come? And the whole story flipped and I refused. So that now make it a final straw for this whole thing, coupled with the fact that after I had came back from um, jail, you know, he still now was not comfortable with me anymore because I was just quiet in the house. Everything was still like a movie. Like somebody should wake me up from this whole thing going on. So I was always quiet staring into space. I had become a shadow of myself. And I remember each time that he would sleep and I passed by him, the way he would jump up from his sleep, like I was about to strangle him or something. So, so I he think was feeling he was... guilty about it. Like he didn't know what you were going to do. <laughs> and you know, the only conversation I had with him after that event was, let's start all over. Imagine, you know, after coming back from jail, I said, 
let's forget about all this thing that happened. Even you sending me to where you did, I forgive you. Let's start all over. Make a slain um, slave. Yeah. Uh, I said, even though it's hurtful, but how do you fight somebody that you call your yeah, mother's friend? Yeah, yeah. You know, it's like you currently fighting yourself. yourself. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So I said, it's really hard, but I'm not going to hold this against you. Mm-hmm. And I said, spirituality may have played a part in it as well. You know, I'm not going to rule that out. You know, maybe some village people were fighting me that I have no idea. So I'm not going to count this. They used you because so many times you, you would tell me that looking at me, you always see an older person, an old woman. Yeah, on you my said face. that. Yeah. yeah. And I'm yeah. like, these young pretty face, you are seeing an old woman. <laughs> village people are really working on my case. <laughs> All right. You know, so I didn't blame him for that. I was ready, you know, to start afresh. But it wasn't comfortable because I remember him saying, you don't go to court and come back and be friends. And I'm like, what is uh, this what does that mean? Yeah. with Nigerian stuff? You don't go to court and come back and be friends. So like, basically, you were to start afresh. You, you came out you know, with clean gloves, but... He was not ready. Yeah. He wasn't ready and he was never trusting. So, because I want us to... We need to round off quickly, but I want us to talk about, you know, your, your husband, you know, the love of your life. Oh no! So we need to solve this. No, no, we're not gonna put you out. Not in that kind of way. Um, but I think what happened was final, final. You guys went for a birthday party somewhere in North Carolina or somewhere. Yes. So even mm. after I had uh, planned to start a new slate, I was already doing okay again, you know. But it wasn't comfortable. But it gave me the idea that we were fine. And I told him, okay, this lady that I had called in North Carolina for help while I was where I was or her daughter was going to have a birthday. So I said, let's go there. Let's just change the environment. Maybe we'll be fine. You know, see something new and try to reconnect. So he said, okay, we'll go. So we plan to go for that weekend, you know, from Friday and come back on Sunday. And I only packed for the weekend to leave. And we left to go there. So when we got there, these people brought out, because after I had came back, I called that lady like, why were you not picking my call, blah, blah, blah. I had to tell her what had happened. So now she became aware. So when we got to her, she started talking to him that you shouldn't have done that to your wife. Wife, you know? I know that. Yeah. Hey, we are Nigerians. We are this, we are that. Maybe he felt they blamed him. I I have no idea. But all I knew was we were there for that weekend. And on Sunday that we were supposed to go to church for that little girl's birthday party, he was not dressed. He didn't even have a shower. And I said, we are in somebody's house. They have to lock their house. We are going to church. Let's go now. He said, oh, he will come back and take his bath. But he needs to quickly go to the ATM and withdraw some money that he will give in church as an offering. And I said, okay, hurry up and go. And that was the last I saw of him up until today. <laughs> he just ghosted me like that. <laughs> so, and this is very important because, I, and I put this question on, on the Facebook um, page, like, and then one of the questions Maureen keeps gra- um, grasping with is, why did he ghost me? Like, yeah. it's almost like there was no closure. There and, was not. And I know some of us might be quick to say, why is she still thinking about that? No. Um, we might probably never get the answers to, to that. Mm-hmm. And it's also very important to know that in her current relationship right now, she feels safe, she feels secure. She can oh, see yeah. the difference between, you know, um, even though sometimes, you know, she's, she might, the, the whole, you know, the old way might come up like, ah, but she knows that she's safe. She knows that she's in a loving relationship. But I think that question of why was I ghosted? Why didn't I even have like, I'm leaving you. This is the end of our marriage. Like, just, even like, a text nothing. message would have been good for me. 
Yeah, nothing. And this is not even like a boyfriend girlfriend situation. No, it's that you got married. Yeah, <laughs> and so you, I mean, you started like when you started it. And so, if you have any response to that, so for those that are listening, please let yes, me know. Yes, if you can help me out, that that would this is the biggest thing you can do for more. Like I, I have thought about it because i don't have the right words i don't think i always have the right response because me doing this the conclusion i just gave myself is i'm gonna uh, put a closure to it today by doing this and let go finally because i'm looking for i may never get it yeah i don't want that to keep affecting me or affecting my current marriage because this man doesn't deserve it i shouldn't be holding on to what's not not that i'm having any feeling for the past but the fact that you know, the worst way to dump somebody is ghosting them. Nobody deserves that. No, not even a boyfriend, girlfriend thing. Not to talk of a whole marriage, a whole husband, do, you know, ghosting you and up until today. That's been like how many years now? Nine years. It's been nine years. Yeah. So if anybody has a response to this, like, how can she find closure? And I think another thing we talked about is that at the point during her relationship with her, you know, her husband, um, let's call him baby. Because of the <laughs> with baby, um, she realized that a lot of trust issues were welling up, and she became like almost the toxic one in the relationship because yeah. she started oh, you know, yeah. com- like just because your experience with marital love was from this other horrible bio, and so mm-hmm. everything was seen was filtered through that lens, and mm-hmm. she wasn't really you know um, she wasn't trusting enough, and I think yeah. that there's something you said that your husband said, and I never forgot that you said he said. When something is broken, we fix it. We don't throw, we it, don't away. throw it away. Yeah. And if we're talking about it now, it's giving me goosebumps. Um, um, because, yeah, because that, I mean, that's a man right there. Like, acknowledging that the fact that this person was hurt, but then together we can feel. Not that he's not broken in other areas, but at least yeah. at that particular point, it's like, I'm here for you. And what reassuring words. And I think you just tell yourself that, okay, if, if I had to go through all of this to get this person that God really wanted me to be with, then it's worth it. It is worth it. Yeah. Even though the experience wasn't fun as a them, but I'm glad it didn't work out and I'm where I am right now because my husband now is everything I've ever dreamed of. Like, everything. Uh, mm-hmm. No marriage is perfect, like they say, but not in behavioral ways. No. It could be, you know, not being perfect in other little areas and it's nothing you can't work through. But behaviorally, it is really perfect for me. And that's good because we don't, we're not, like, we're strangers when we get married. We didn't grow up with them. So behavioral mm-hmm. issues, behavioral issues will come up, like, oh, yeah. at least you talk to it, you set your boundaries, you know the person's temperament. And I think that's what a healthy marriage should be like. At least you can talk, we can have conversations, you know? Oh, yeah. And that's an, and transparency is another thing that is helping me in this marriage. Like, my husband and I, we don't keep secrets. We mm-hmm. tell everything and anything, like, the deepest of all things the fears that we're going through, you know, we all have these eating phobias and fears and all that. You know, things that you would think, oh, if I share with this person, maybe I will not have a marriage tomorrow or this person. And the fact that, I don't know, let's just say because it's mine, because the responses it will give, I'll even be shocked like, what manner of love is this one? But then I guess I deserve it. Did you did you did you come to a point where you felt like this is too much? Like you were even doubting his I was, was that... doubting him. I was like, ah, this is too good to be true. I hope he's that <laughs> not me the second time. Oh yeah, I was. And as a then I was always throwing the divorce card at him every now and then because yeah. I was being insecure, like, okay, 
this is too good to be true. Why am I safe like this? So any little thing, I'll be like, I'm done with this thing. I'm divorcing you. I'm done. I'm done. So that now started giving him two issues. Like, I hope this girl will not just wake up and walk away and I will not see her again. So he had to call me. I don't want to hear that divorce word in this house again. If there is a problem, we fix it. We, we will not throw it away. I mean, this thing for a long haul, you know. So and that was the last time I ever said it too. I had to just call myself to order like, girl. You cannot say that word again in this house, so yeah. yeah. And I must commend you, really, Mori. Like the growth I've seen in you. I remember that first time we talked oh, about yeah. the phone. Like I was, I mean, I cried a lot, and because it was just, I didn't know you were going through all of that. And the way you told me, I was like, how, like how to see how much you've come and just the joy yeah. in your life. And I know it has to be God because if yeah. you were to think about everything you've gone through. You, People haven't even gone through half of that. Their hearts will literally break and they yeah. have to be sent to a facility where they, they'll be invalid for life. So we credit yeah. God for preserving you. And I also want to credit your tenacity for fighting back, for not giving up on, on yourself, not, not giving up on hope, not giving mm-hmm. up on love, for knowing that, okay, I do deserve to be loved. Fine, I rushed into mm-hmm. this or I, I, marriage was like an identity I had tied to myself. But I'm going to do it better now. So I want to commend you, Mara, really. Yeah. I think that's where, that's where your story is really inspirational. So for those that are listening, like if you find yourself in something similar to what Mara's situation was, mm-hmm. it's not too late to turn it around, you know. Um, someone in a, in a toxic relationship, in a very um, negative mm-hmm. environment, what it does to you, even though they might not be physical abuse, emotional it's abuse is very bad. horrible because you don't see the scars. But they run very deep and it's attached to everything, like your identity, who you wear, it stains everything. So mm-hmm. you need to find a way to separate yourself. Now, I'm not advocating for divorce. Uh, this is not a platform for that. I'm not an expert in marital issues. But find ways to, like, you know, um, at least separate yourself for the time being and surround yourself with people that can build it back up so you can be able to make informed decisions. Because if you're always going to be in that environment, you're going to keep getting broken down until there's nothing left of you. Now, Maureen, Zena had a question for you. She said, hello, more and more. I didn't realize our names are more and more. She said she's curious to know what your ex's family reaction was. After the divorce? Yes. Well, whatever. If I the divorce, that was another story. But yes. I did not hear from them. Mm-mm. She mm-hmm. never heard from them. That's just, you know. Um, and then, oh, Maureen, Maureen, we're getting responses. Let me read them to you. Oh, oh thank Ola, you, guys. Ola Shani said, I think you should count yourself luck, as the luckiest one for him to have walked out of your life and allowing you to meet the love of your life. This is how awesome God works. Yeah. I, I think that's, I think we should think about it, Dara, because it doesn't really make sense. And I know you're always going to keep having those lingering emotions. And maybe my might even affect just your, maybe you can start having abandonment issues. But know that, you know, even our love here, like, you know, spousal love is never going to be enough. God's love is the ultimate and God will never leave us. You know, our earthly our husbands, yeah, you know, they're good. But even though we ha- they have shortcomings like we do, um, and sometimes they do fail us in several areas, but God is that one thing that will never work away from us. Maybe we should just put God, like, his love should be okay. like that, that bar. And then together, our spouses, with our spouse, we're attempting to perfect that love. And we probably will not get to the bar, but We'll get closer to it. Now, um, Shantae, thank you, Shantae. She said, I think Ghostin has to do more with his character than anything. It was a cowardly mm-hmm. move. He didn't know how to be a man and face his own issues, so he decided to run and avoid. But I'm so glad God brought a good man into your life. Thank God. Yes. So um, I think we should just think of it that way. Um, he was a coward, and, th- and that's just it. 
it didn't have anything to do with you because you know that you go back you look into that relationship even though you said anger was the only thing you have sister anger oh, yeah. can be quiet i was extremely angry our mouth as women oh. oh my gosh lord jesus <laughs> baptize me again with my mouth i know that um when we're really hot we can say things so that can be quite you know but let's just well, hold that into it, account yeah. yeah let's hold that into into account um so Zena wanted to ask, how was the divorce process? Did you see him in court? Did you ever ask why? No. No, no. There was that no. walking out was the last I ever saw him. She hasn't seen him since 2009, 2010. Yeah, there was never a court session. In fact, even the divorce was so it, shady. I don't think yeah. he kept avoiding it. He wanted her to like, um, say it first. Yes, yeah, because he said he was Christian. And I'm thinking... Mm. And divorce is a sin, you know. Yeah, he did say that. Yeah, born again Christians, you so can't is adultery and abuse and all of that. But we're not going to talk about that, right? Just the D word. So no, they never. She never had. But a he didn't want the force to come from him. Yeah, she never had a day in court. She never had a with like face, you know. No. Um, no it she was never not did that. So I think that that also adds to the fact that there was not there was no closure. I'm sure if they had met in court and she had said her, I would have asked questions. Yeah. Yes, but she never. And I think it's almost that question. And I think Maureen, you know. Let me just say this, and let me know if I'm out of line. I don't think you even need, I don't think you need, his words shouldn't mean anything to you anymore, because everything he told you was a lie. So whatever from day one. Yeah, from day one, it, it was based on a lie. So I don't think his words should count. Just, I mean, and I'm glad that you have your husband now, where you, can, you guys can talk about stuff. What's he going to tell you that, you know, will change your life radically? His words will never be enough. And let no. me just be stuck in that past, like, you know, I I hope with time you probably will never have to remember him again. Or if you do, you just send prayers his way. And I'll say that's why you're a bigger person than me, because I'm I'm praying for that guy. I'll be praying for sure, but it's gonna be I told you the last time he called me, right? When I lost when my dad, dad in twenty fifteen. Yeah. Yeah. I was even trying to help him because he said he wanted to bring his mom to the US and he didn't know how to do it. So I was like, Okay, when you're ready, just let me know, I'll put you through it. You know? And when and he, he was saying that, what marriage, happened with our marriage? Yeah, yeah. No, I don't think he knew his words. I think from this point on, I think because, I mean, I had that inclination as well, but I'm glad that people on the page are saying the same thing as well. He was a coward, and cowards are always going to do what cowards do. Yeah. Um. Someone said, "Was your bride price returned?" You have really amazing friends. We are not. We are young <laughs> people. Don't worry about that. Yeah, yeah. And then Aljobukola wanted to know that was not even on social media, was able to contact you on social media. No. Mm-mm. It just went out of radar. I no, there's yeah. nowhere I can find him. Mm-mm. I think the last question I want to ask is that if you could go back in time, I mean, cuz well, you, yeah, had, a, you had a, you had a role to play in this. I'm not going to oh, yeah. and be like, you know, everything happened to you. So mm. like I think we've talked about that being sheltered, not, you know, um like using that marriage became like an identity for you. All those things added to that, but it enabled it. It didn't cause it. It just enabled it because you found somebody that took advantage of you. Because yeah, those kind of things, if you found somebody that was really mature enough and you know honest with you and you know just had your interest at heart, they could protect you and even help you grow into that process. So those were enabling situations and maybe a little bit of causality, but it's not like explaining the whole thing that happened to you. So that's your responsibility. In that, in that regard. But if you could go back in time and do something differently, like think about Maureen then, Maureen of 2004. Oh, how Maureen now? And Maureen, what would you have done differently <laughs> to make sure that this doesn't happen? And I want to, I'm asking that not just because to put you on the spot. You know, I mean, as well. we're saying what would I have done differently. I can say that to help other people, not necessarily for me at this point, because that experience that I went through, 
now made me an advocate for women. I mean, I can tell you the women I fought for in their marriages. I've even sheltered them in my home. I took them in. They were being abused by their husband. I don't even know that I have this lawyer thing inside me. I almost sent a guy to jail two years ago because he was abusing his wife. And I became an advocate for her. Like every, every, you know, that's how smart I am right now with that experience because I just don't want to see any woman. And you know the system better. You know the system better. Oh, yeah. Right now, you better don't mess with somebody that I know or you tell me I have somebody that's going through something. I'm going to carry that case on my head like it's mine. And I've done it for a few women these past two years. And I'm grateful because now it's a cause for me. If I had not gone through that, maybe I wouldn't have been able to identify with what they're going through you know so but to help other people out there i would say what i wish i would have done differently is to know him more because yes. like i said i never visited him for one day while we were dating in I his natural environment observing him yes and another thing we never quarrel for one day before i married him which that's weird too yeah. <laughs> i like to look for trouble so no like five five but did you guys have like disagreements like you know, had to talk through this is my resolution i like to add drama <laughs> oh yeah this is my current husband if to say they marry people on the level of drama i would not be married by now but while i was dating him i showed him purple you telling telling novella style like i remember i write the script and this man so, i didn't even know what i did right to deserve my husband because i didn't even try at all and this I'll, is this is why you know it's a God factor because you didn't try. You didn't think no. it was a reward from God. God gave him to you. And you I didn't even try at all. I was always acting worse. Like all these toxic things is what I was yeah. doing to him. Just yeah. send him away. Poor and guy, poor guy. Yeah. yeah. You are so beautiful than those things. You you are much more than what you're bringing out. There's a deeper issue here. And all this was stemming from my own insecurity as yeah, well. Yeah. I to for it again. But like I told you yesterday. You get a heartbreak once in a lifetime, and people get this in their dating life. Why go mind a marriage, you know? And that was one of the worst experiences to go through. So, yeah, I wish I had known him better, you know, in his uh, natural habitat, and then have a form of quarrel. See how they handle things, you know? How do you settle fights after having one? How are they when they are hungry? Get to know them. You know, don't put on, oh, we're a good match, we're not fighting. No. Then um, another thing, I wish I didn't live where I was. You could have relocated to me because I had no business going to him because he just uprooted me from my social life and then um, just put me in, in one place where nobody could reach me, which it's not good because that's an advantage to any abuser. They will use that over you to, to get a leverage. So, yeah. Mm-hmm. And I, I wish um... marriage was not my identity as a den as well. Yes. Because my life yes. was all about I want to get married. To yeah, and I don't I don't blame you entirely for that. It's just the way we were we're, we're grown as, as kids. And um, I mean, I love what you said. You know, about using your power now for good. Oh yeah. You know, I've sh- I've shared my story of pregnancy losses and all that on the show, and I said that I don't think anything good that has come out of talking about that because it's still a process. Like we don't have kids yet. But the one thing I know that has helped me is to be able to talk to somebody else that is going through that. People who listen to my story and tell me, this really helped me to know that I'm not alone. And yeah. I think that's why we go through something. I know God doesn't want our heart breaking. He doesn't want us, you know, to be sad and, you know, and hurting all the time. But if we can use our stories to build other people up, 
I think that's why we need to keep talking about our stories. Let's not let shame cover it up. And I think that mirrors what you said. And so Linda wants to know, have you thought about yeah. starting an, an, uh, a non-profit organization? I want to women? do that. Yes, yeah. from a God support perspective. I think that would I be wonderful. Helped, yeah, have helped women going through abuse you know, a lot of times this past year. So I really want I to I think that's that. a sign right there because, you know, I'm, I'm you don't so have to pay taxes, 501c, and you can, mm-hmm. and I'm sure you get a lot of support because especially in our cultural setting as Nigerians, we don't talk about this issue. It's almost like, ah, don't say it outside. No more. Don't talk about it. Oh, yeah. The woman is dying. She's getting infected with STDs. Oh, yeah. She's, you know, her, she's not the same person anymore. But, you know, the pictures on Instagram is so glossy enough. Everybody thinks they're a perfect family. But you don't know, maybe the husband is being battered by the wife. And I know it goes most ways. It's not just, you know, women that are being battered. But we need to know that there are so many supports out there. And I think, I'm, I really encourage, and I'm going to be on, on top of you on this one. Because the other issue is, I will do it. Yeah. You have to start that 501. You have to start that non-profit Because the, the research I've done this past few years about defending women, I went to social services with one of my friends that were going through, you know, uh, some uh, an abuse as a then. The social worker was like, be thankful that you have this lady as your friend. She knows so much. I'm not a lawyer. It's research that I did. We're like, not even a lawyer. <laughs> this guy, you did this. And I asked my friend, like, are you sure you told me it's what happened? Do not lie to me because if I'm going to fight for you, I want to fight to the last to make sure that I'm not going to regret doing this. And she told me everything. This guy was almost going to be deported. But you know how love is. My friend had to say, uh, I still love my husband. Yeah. I still love my husband. We'll keep praying for them. We'll keep praying (laughs) for them. Now, before you go, I want you to say something um, wonderful to your husband. Like, leave a note to him. And I know we're here. (laughs) Keep it PG, you know. Um, Yeah, I think you should say something to him. I think it's a time to also honor him because... When Kelechi, our mutual friend, because I, I really was worried about you, Maureen. Like, I, even though yeah. I couldn't talk to you about it because I didn't want you to be bothered. But my son, Kelechi, used to talk a lot. And she would give me updates. And when we were staying with some other people that were trying to... Oh, yeah. Yeah. But um, when she finally told me that, ah, no, Maureen's, Maureen's new husband, like, you know, I don't worry about her at all. Like, ah, Maureen is enjoying, you know, ah, Maureen is a princess. I said, okay, thank God, you know, our prayers have been answered. So I want to use this opportunity to honor your husband. You know, because yeah. they, they—they're—he's probably you had to go through a lot as well with all of the things you came into the marriage. But that's the truth yeah. of a man that together you guys are trying to, you know, um, fix Beat each other up. Exactly. So I want you to just say some words. Like I said, please keep it PG. I don't want to, you know, my ears are still open. <laughs> well, Mr. Omopariola, because he's right here too. He's watching. I really want to thank you. I thank God for who you are and for bringing you into my life. My husband is a very simple person. Simple to the core. To the point that sometimes I'll be like, I'm bullying this man too much. Oh. Like, he loves he you. He's love. Yeah, <laughs> he doesn't even deserve some of the things I do. And he'll just be like, oh. it's because some of them don't share, you don't know what I And he will just go away like that. And by the time he comes, then another thing, he doesn't know how to get angry. I've not seen a human like that. You know? Me, ah, I will tell him, come and learn hunger from, from me. I'll keep praying for you, Maureen. <laughs> I know. I pray, I for, pray for me too. <laughs> Jesus, help me, help me, Lord. Yeah, you know, he's a very simple man. He doesn't get angry. His anger, he will say, ah, I'm angry at you. And I'll be looking at his face and I'll be laughing like, is this one anger that you are displaying? And from there, you know, from laughing and trying to make him look stupid, we'll just be like, you know what? I give up Aww. on him. So he's bringing out the child in you. Aww. Exactly. Aww. And this has been all the things I had imagined 
to Why happen. That never yeah. happened. So when all the good things are not happening, I'm like, is this for real? Or, you know, let me not get too comfortable. But after a while that, you know, and another thing, consistency. When somebody is faking it, they can you only know. fake it but for, for so a long, moment. For so long, yeah, yeah. You, you can, because your behavior will be consistent. If you're faking it, you have to keep track of if what it, you're doing. If you're like, you're like your character is yeah. like smoke. You can't hide it for so long before, you know, ever exactly. approach and everybody see it for what it is. So, I know. And it's just the best in everything. And one thing oh, you guys may not know, I eat noodles a lot at 2 a.m. And this man is oh, every day where oh, you cook noodles. <laughs> Jeez, girl. I see you your privilege cat too much. Now I'm jealous. <laughs> hey, babe. You know, you know, when I'm studying and I, I become hungry, it would have been sleepy. And I always say this, you know, this is all these little things, they may not seem a lot, but it matters really? because I can't imagine myself sleeping like you had slept around 10 p.m. And somebody waking you up to a him and saying they are hungry. And you get up like that and go do it. Prepare them that food. Not because I can't do it, but he has just indulged me that I can't just do it. I'll be like, babe, Joe, I'm hungry, please. And he'll be like, okay, I'm sorry. Just keep on doing what you're doing. Keep studying. I'll get this for you. So if somebody has woken me up, I uh, will. Ah. So, yeah, kudos to him. All these little things. He has fought me in so many ways. I can't imagine. And I respect him a lot. He's a, he's a man of honor. And I wish all men would be like him. Love your wife. Love your wife. Love your wife. That's the only person you have. Just you too. And he's a good man. So, you guys, if you love me a lot, help me say thank you to my husband. Though. Yeah, the prayer too. You know, prayer for them. Yeah, I love that. I'm glad yeah. he came into my life. Yeah. yeah really. And, um... And kudos to whatever, like what shaped him, maybe his family, his mom, his dad, yeah. people he encountered, everything that added to making him more moral. Yes, we, 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 we're, we're grateful for that. And I think finally is, you know, the place of therapy. And I know I'm still on your neck for that. You, you know, keep saying yeah, that. Yeah, I still keep yeah. saying that, you know, because I haven't gone through half of what you've gone through and my, my life has tagged is, is just and therapy. No, no, but Solan, this is the thing that I told you. Yeah. I have these balls, like I said. Yeah. It's like a dumping ball. Once I dump it in there, I don't go there to open it. Everybody's but like I... that. But one day, that thing's going to get full, and then it's all going to come out, tumbling out, and it's you know it. But I'm still going to be on your neck, you know. I, I only have three major things I've jumped there, and this is one of it. And I feel talk therapy is a, is a way to get over this, which is what I'm doing. I really yeah. appreciate you for giving me this platform to do this. Because, you know, we've kept this secret for so long. For so and, long. yeah. Yo, I still feel not talking about it is like, I'm ashamed of it or yeah. it's still holding me back from things. No, I want to be naked, be, you know, be as I am. Let people yeah. know my story and pick from it and not make the same mistake. So how and do you feel right now? Like before you came on the show and now, how, how, do you, how do you feel? I told you last night I could not sleep because <laughs> I was like, am I actually going to do this? I kept thinking, you, you, I remember you messaging me like, are you not going to sleep? Are you okay? Yeah, but yeah, yeah. yeah. I'm just thinking and in my mind praying that God, is this actually the time to do this? Am I actually yeah. doing this? You know, I just want to have that fun. Even though you sent out words that it's going to happen, I don't want to do like uh, last minute I'm counseling. No, so I had to talk to God about it. Yeah. I want to do this once and for all and get my closure. Yeah. I don't want to have to remember being ghosted and cry anymore because that's yeah. the only thing that makes me cry once in a while when I remember it. It's not the fact that that actually happened. So it's a ghosted, I, I yeah. I'm going to do this once and for all and get it over with and i'm here i feel great 
Yeah. And I, th- I thank you so much for sharing that. So you guys, you've heard Maureen's story. Um, for those who might be in this situation, if you think I'm not, you know, I, I have, I don't have experience with that, but at least you know Maureen's name. Please reach out to her. Maureen, is that okay? Let her. Oh yeah. This is her ministry right now. My ministry is towards those that are. This is my ministry. Yeah. This is her ministry. So reach out to her and um, you know, talk to her, confide in her, and see how she oh, can yeah. help you. Because together, we we shouldn't live life alone. That's number one. Like, don't live life in isolation. It's just, you're going to be that lone sheep that has been sequestered from the herd. Oh, and then yeah. you're going to be like a target for the devil and whatnot. So don't live life alone. And then reach yeah. out to someone like Maureen. If you, if you know somebody, you know, um, that is going through that. And if you want to reach out through me, like, and I don't will know tell you name, this too. Sorry to cut you off. That's okay. Oh, I have people calling me about their marriages. Even people that are older than me in their 40s. You know, like um, that. Telling me stuff that they are going through and I'll have to advise them. to. So that even made me to be sure that it's a ministry and they tell me those things and they don't hear anything about it from outside or anything whatever yeah. they say i keep it confidential and we move past it and i'm yeah. glad you find me comfortable to share things like that with yes you. and i'll say that about Maurice. she's very trustworthy trustworthy and all that so guys <laughs> this this was the show thank you all for those that tuned in today um thank you and, and you know thank you for your questions and your comments and i know uh Maureen, i have this big feeling about that those nights of tears are over you know if you tears oh, be tears girl. of joy you know, and I think this is the closure. This is it because it's out there, and Fine. you know. And I'm the, uh, so you guys, please keep Maureen in prayers. You know, the any time the devil wants to use this as a way to trigger her so that she doesn't enjoy her current relationship, and I also use it as a point of contact to those that are out there listening that are you know divorced and are looking up to God, unto God for like you know finding their own man. Um, it's possible. It's really possible. And that's why I, I, I brought Maureen to the show. Uh, you, if you, if you desire marriage again. I think it's a beautiful aspiration, and I use this mm-hmm. as a point of contact. Like, just as Maureen um, found her um, her husband, you'll Mr. find us as well, Mr. Wright, Mr. Godsent, and all that. And okay. together, you guys can build through that. But in the meantime, find ways to keep building yourself up. Um, therapy, um, finding who to talk to, finding out what missteps you took as well, and how to like you know avoid that happening again. Because chances are, if you've been in a toxic relationship, you're highly likely to enter another one unless you change some things or there's a divine intervention. But at least you need to know what your hangups and your shortcomings are. So I want to thank you all for all uh, contributing. Um, says thank you for being vulnerable and telling a story that most are not willing to talk about and bringing freedom not to only yourself but to those who are listening or will listen to this for years from now. Yes, and we use this as a point of contact that those that are in those relationships, this will be like a call to action for them to start seeking help, to start seeking resources to help them out. Um, this was the show. If you love the show, I have plenty more where that came from. Different stories, of course. So check out www.mostable.com. You can also follow me on Instagram or Twitter at Mostable. I'm also on Facebook, like right now, you know. And if you want to be on the show as well, just email me. I share stories. Even if it's things that I'm not very i don't think i I'm, I'm smart all the time you know i have a little burst of smartness every now and then but i'm willing to listen i'm willing to you know, talk right. about things with you so um how i can help you because this is my ministry to help people set their stories free because i have set mine free and it's been yeah. you know free for me and i want to help you live in that consciousness of not letting shame of things that have happened to you to hold you back so however i can help you reach out to me it's been my honor to have you on the show and share your you know story as well thank you guys for you know being with us this saturday morning and morning i can't even thank you enough but i'm so glad sister. thank you for the opportunity all right everyone and I'm Thanks gonna put everyone. this. Yeah, I'm gonna put this on, on on YouTube so you guys can watch as well. And I'll see you No problem. Thank you. Bye. Have a happy Saturday. Bye. Where the water was in a line at the top of the chimney bricks. Sometimes.
something so broken can never be fixed. So we saved a few things that were spare and brought it to the ground. 'Cause you always build it better the second time. Sometimes something so broken.